So this is it's the thirty first of October, right? Well, I'm, I'm sure you knew that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Halloween. <laughs> Checks out. But not not only is it the thirty first of October, it's our thirty first episode. How crazy is that? Oh my! Oh my! Wait, hold on. That's perfect. <laughs> oh my goodness. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. The time is upon us. The spookiest night of the year draws closer. Prepare yourselves for the Paths of Fear Halloween Special. For our 31st episode and for the 31st of October 2021, we bring you a double feature of Halloween and Halloween Kills the two latest movies in the Halloween franchise. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to Paths of Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and, of course, explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. And I'm Marshall. And today is a special day, so we're bringing you an extra special episode. We'll be taking on the 2018 Halloween and its sequel, the 2021 Halloween Kills, which just came out. Uh, Both movies were directed by David Gordon Green, written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, with the first and second also being written by Jeff Fradley and Scott Teams, respectively. So before we get into the first two teasers, or the first of two teasers tonight, uh, Marshall, what are are we doing today? How are we doing this? (laughs) I'm thinking, are you ready? We... We take a little time, we, t- we go into just the first movie, just the second, and then we bring it all around in the third, in the third quarter. Sounds good. Well, in that case, uh, do, you wanna, do you want me to get started with the first teaser? Yeah. All right. It's been 40 years since Laurie Strode came face to face with Michael Myers, 40 years since he escaped from Smith's Grove Psychiatric Hospital, and 40 years since he was captured. Now, Michael is scheduled to be transferred to a maximum security prison, and Lori knows all too well what happened the last time Michael was set to be transferred. She's not taking any chances. The boogeyman may be real, but Lori has been preparing for his inevitable return for four decades. Will Michael Myers finally meet his match, or will the town of Haddonfield be once again plunged into a dreadfully bloody Halloween? Wonderful. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, Ian. I thought it was a great return and like kind of a great way to redo the sequels of the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. I honestly haven't seen the sequels of the original Halloween, but I know enough about them to know that they get a little goofy. This didn't give me goofy vibes, though, and I felt like it kind of introducing us to new characters was a genius idea rather than just trying to keep it all our original characters, but still having the essence of our original characters. Now, I would totally agree. I also think that this movie paid good homage to the original. It kept Michael the same, I'd say. And it was just the the way that it was able to balance sort of the inherent silliness just in the story itself, because the story itself is a bit silly, and also the way in which it didn't take itself too seriously. 
um, it was able to really pay homage to the original and like feel like the original, but also like bring new things into it. So that that was really cool. I would 100% agree. Um, so what do you end up giving this movie? Ian? Uh, so I give this movie uh, a seven out of ten. Oh, so okay. I yeah, it's pretty wow. good. It's we pretty came good. back together on Halloween finally. I'm at an eight out of ten. Nice. Yeah, it was just a good time overall. Our audience gave it a seven point one out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're all kind of in the same place here. Yeah, we're relatively okay. around there. Uh, but we had like kind of mainly some sixes. We had a ten. Someone, someone was all about this movie, and then just the areas in between. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, do you want to go ahead and give us our summary, Ian, and we'll dive deeper into it? Yes, the first of two summaries of the day. Now they are a little shorter. <laughs> Because I don't want to write two huge summaries, so I skipped some stuff. I guess that's fair. But anyways, here it is. It's been nearly 40 years since Michael Myers' killing spree in Haddonfield, Illinois, and nearly 40 years since he was captured and reinstitutionalized at Smith's Grove Psychiatric Hospital. It's October 29th, 2018, and Michael Myers is set to be transferred to a maximum security prison. Fascinated by the events and by the motivations behind Michael, true crime podcasters Aaron Corey and Dana Haynes visit him at Smith's Grove. Aaron attempts to get some sort of reaction from Michael by showing him the same white mask he used 40 years prior. You feel it, don't you, Michael? But Aaron receives nothing. The next day, a father and son on their way to go fishing come to a stop when they see patients from Smith's Grove wandering the road, a prison bus having veered off the highway further ahead. Michael murders them both and takes their truck, returning home to Haddonfield. Lori Strode has lived in constant fear of Michael. She drinks heavily and is agoraphobic, rarely ever leaving her fortified house. She lost custody of her daughter Karen when she was 12, due to her severe paranoia. In present day, Lori's relationship with her daughter is strained, though her granddaughter Allison tries to maintain a good relationship with her. Did you invite grandmother like you said you would? To bat tonight, you said that you'd invite her. Right. I did. You did? Yeah. I talked to her yesterday. She's not gonna be able to come, honey, I'm sorry. Really? On the morning of October 31st, Michael follows Aaron and Dana to a gas station after seeing them visit his sister Judith's grave. He kills a mechanic and takes his overalls, then brutally kills both Aaron and Dana. (gasps) Recovering his white mask from Aaron's car. Upon reaching the scene, Deputy Frank Hawkins, who arrested Michael in 1978, pressures Sheriff Barker to pull all available resources into hunting Michael down. Lori learns of Michael's escape from news coverage of the crashed prison bus. Immediately, she breaks into Karen's house to warn her, but Karen dismisses Lori and urges her mother to move on with her life. The world is not a dark and evil place. It is full of love and understanding, and I'm not letting your psychotic rants confuse me or convince me otherwise. Do you have a gun? No, you need to go. Get out. 
As night approaches, Allison is at a school dance with her boyfriend Cameron. However, after seeing him kiss another girl, she leaves with their mutual friend Oscar. Meanwhile, Allison's best friend Vicky babysits a boy named Julian. After putting Julian to bed, Vicky invites her boyfriend Dave over for some unsupervised alone time. Julian interrupts them with allegations of a boogeyman being in his room. Vicky goes to check and is murdered by Michael. Julian gives his best to Dave and runs away. Dave dies too. As the news of the incident reaches the police frequencies, Deputy Hawkins and Lori separately head over to the house, both armed. Lori sees Michael for the first time in 40 years. She manages to shoot him in the shoulder before he flees. As the situation escalates, the police decide to take Lori, Karen, and her husband Ray to Lori's home for protection, having a squad car outside for additional security. However, the family can't reach Allison, as Cameron stole her phone before she left the dance. The police agree to bring Lori to the family if they find her. Dr. Ranbir Sertain, Michael's psychiatrist and former student of Dr. Loomis, comes to the police and persuades Sheriff Barker to let him help in the hunt for Michael. He's an asset. He's not an asset, he's a liability. No, no, he's going to this hunt. Nobody knows Myers better than he does. Oh, thank you. You want me to tape this injured civilian to go look for a psychopathic serial killer? And Deputy Hawkins and Dr. Sertain drive together to search for Michael. Meanwhile, as Allison and Oscar walk home from the party, Oscar makes a move on Allison. She rejects him and leaves him. Michael, close by, then kills him. Having heard his screams, Allison turns back to see Oscar impaled on a spiked gate, Michael standing next to him. Allison manages to run to a nearby house, where Hawkins and Sartain find her and pick her up. While on the way to Lori's, they spot Michael, and without hesitation, Hawkins turns to run him over. Michael is hit hard and is flung to the ground. Before Hawkins can finish the job, though, Dr. Sartain, obsessed in finding out Michael's mysterious motivations, stabs Hawkins in the neck with a scalpel. Step He then drives towards Lori's house, an unconscious Michael and a terrified Allison locked in the back of the squad car. Right before arriving, Michael awakes and kills Dr. Sartain, while Allison manages to escape. Michael then ambushes and kills the two police officers watching Lori's home. Lori's son-in-law, Ray, goes outside when a police car drives up to the house, wanting to ask them if they had found Allison. Michael strangles him to death. Upon hearing this, Lori is able to get the front door closed and locked and has Karen escape to the basement. In the showdown between Michael and Lori, Lori shoots a few of Michael's fingers off, while Michael stabs her in the gut and throws her off the balcony. However, upon turning to look, he finds that Lori's body has disappeared. Allison, having ran through the woods, eventually finds herself at the house. Her mother drags her downstairs and arms herself. Right as Michael breaks in, Karen shoots him directly in the jaw. 
From above, Lori pushes Michael down into the basement and helps Allison and Karen escape. She then pulls a lever, closing metal slats over the basement entrance, trapping Michael inside. The three then set the house ablaze, and Lori says goodbye to Michael. Goodbye, Michael. As her injuries overcome her, Karen and Allison flag down a vehicle passing by and take her to the hospital. As they drive away, the basement can be seen, completely enveloped in flame, though Michael is nowhere in sight. I'll start with this, because I feel like it's going to be a bit of a shorter list, but what in this movie didn't do it for you, Ian? What wasn't quite there? There's two specific times in this movie I can point to where I was a little, eh, I wasn't a big fan. There were both times where the plot felt kind of forced. The, the first of those two times is when Dr. Sartain uh, stabs Hawkins in the throat and is then like, okay, I got to bring Michael to Lori because I want to observe him in the wild and I want to get him to talk. I, it's interesting, but I don't know. It just... It felt a little it felt a little forced to me. And then there was also the fact that, of course, Lori was, uh, you know, like went down into the basement um, with Karen. And then she left out of the basement to finish Michael off, quote unquote. But like she was already in the basement. So I don't know, like like I think they could have had that showdown occur more naturally without having Lori to act stupidly like i think you can justify it i think you can justify both of these occurrences but it just does feel a little forced yeah i uh the first one i i agree with you a lot on it it was just like well here's michael getting killed and it's like actually no <laughs> and like it's weird because michael's usual way is like he just gets up instead and especially because he was only hit by a car and like getting hit by a car is certainly a big deal for most people yeah. But I don't know, for Michael, who can survive, like, gunshots, just getting hit by a car doesn't seem like that would really knock him down for long. Especially since he didn't even go under the car. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it just... <laughs> it, yeah, I agree. It, uh, I do think it added a lot to the plot, because it added this kind of idea that his obsession isn't Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. That it, that's the doctor's obsession, that he, Michael might... we So it kind of leaves Michael's... um, What kind of drives him, his motives up in the air so i think that's a cool thing to add i think it could have been done a little more naturally though i do agree it also adds in this idea that um at least for me that maybe the doctor had something to do with his escape you know maybe michael hadn't really intended to escape at all um but like found himself there and was like i'm gonna go home i think they actually bring that up in like the end i want to maybe the second movie i say the halloween kills mm -hmm. they actually say something about that I, I like what it brings to the movie, but I do agree it was done too abruptly. Yeah. It could have been done in a way, I think, where uh, Michael is, like, fighting Laurie and the doctor is there, like, taking notes or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But then also, how is he getting Michael to... I, I don't know how to quite do it better. I haven't given it that much thought, but I do agree it was a little abrupt. Yeah, they just realized that, like, okay, we need Michael to go to Laurie and be at Laurie's house. Yeah. The second one, the whole kind of, like, final sequence of that movie, it did feel, like, a little much but i do like it was it was a different take on your like final girl it was like a showdown instead of like a chase scene which i thought was cool 
and and there were some great moments in it. Yeah, but I do agree. Her going up there, I was like, hold on, but you have a bunker. Like that's yeah, right. You made a bunker, but then also her blowing up the whole place and fire. It kind of made sense there because I was I felt like it was all kind of like kind of a bigger plan of theirs. Uh, is how I can kind of justify it. It did feel a little strange, but it doesn't. That one doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, same here. Um, and because overall, like the final showdown, I thought was really cool, and it, I think it was a fantastic. Like that was the part where they paid the most homage to the original, but also added something new to it. Yeah. Like they kept the same vibe, but they did something completely different with it. Um, and I I love two scenes in particular of the final showdown, and maybe you'll agree. But of course, there's that scene where Michael. Uh, stabs Lori, knocks her off the balcony, and then when he turns back, she's gone. Oh yeah, I was like, oh my god, she <laughs> she pulled a Batman, <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> and she pulled a Michael Myers. Um, she got back up, which is I think that's amazing. And then also, uh, the way that they had uh, Karen pretend like she was the damsel in distress, and yeah. was like, hey, I can't do it, mom. And then Michael's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, gotcha, and then shoots him in the face. That was epic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the first time I heard Michael speak, too. He was like, oh, yeah, his classic signature catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I added that part. <laughs> but still, those those two scenes in the showdown were, were pretty cool. I agree. The, the showdown itself just really well constructed. And the whole setting of like that building was just really great. Like a remote place, but specifically remote. It all was just wonderful. I just, I enjoyed that a whole lot. Yeah, and and of course, I think something that um, most people can agree on, I would think, for this movie, and probably for the second one as well, but we'll get there, is that Laurie's character is just really well done. Like the older Laurie, of course, they have the same actress, but she just, she does a great job in her performance, and also they do a great job of making Laurie like this badass after her first encounter. Yeah, she no longer felt as helpless as she did, which was perfect, because that's not what we wanted to see. Yeah, she like broke into her daughter's house and waved a gun around. It was like, you gotta, you gotta prepare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say real quick about our character, Ray, which I, uh, it's, so in movies, I always say movies are burdened with the fact that they are making commentary. Like, they can't help it, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Ray is this like really progressive father figure of who's like, we don't need a gun and like a violence on it. Like he's just he's not like your typically toxic masculinity man. He's very much the opposite. Right. Um, but he still wants to protect his family. It's not like he's a wimp or anything, but it's kind of this. It's portrayed as like this almost like weak. Character because of those characteristics and the situation they're in. And he ends up kind of dying because of it, because he didn't know how to be a tough guy or something. Yeah, he's like perceived as naive and soft. Yeah, exactly. Which I think was a little harsh on that progressive man, progressive father figure kind of character. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that they meant to do by any means. I don't think they're making it of like, I hate when fathers don't carry shotguns to their daughter's proms or something. But I do think that it's some commentary they accidentally passed off in the movie. I, I would agree. And and yet, like, you can see that in in terms of, like, the story, it makes sense for the father, um, you know, husband to die because it's it's supposed to be about these women. But, yeah, no, at the same time, it does sort of portray that, like, commentary of, like, he wasn't a, a gun-toting man. And so 
he was unprepared and got killed. Yeah, and I uh, I do think it made way for the women to be really strong in this movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. We had three different kind of instances of our final girl with the Strode lineage, but they were all smart and they are more adaptable. They, they come more prepared. So it's a very different kind of final girl than we saw in the first Halloween. It's your modern final girl, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think that was really cool to see. And and again, I think that's why this is such a good, true sequel to the original, because it stays true to it. But at the same time, it evolves it um, in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. One piece of homage that I really enjoyed was when we see Allison, she's uh, she's left her party because our character Cameron was being a jerk and threw her phone in pudding, which I guess is like <laughs> how you really get at somebody, you know? <laughs> that was fantastic. I, I, I laughed. I laughed at that scene because it's just he just threw her phone in some pudding. I'm like, right, as you do. Yeah, as one does in a breakup, naturally. And then she was just like, uh, okay. And then she just left. Yeah. <laughs> her reaction made it because her reaction was realistic. Yeah. It was like, okay, buddy. Oh, that was that was wonderful. But what it did really well was make an excuse for her not to have a phone, which was which was nice. It's hard to do that in modern horror movies of like because it's always it always feels so cliche when they're like, well, but the power lines are down. So the phones are down and stuff. And it's all it's all very silly like that. But that was a good way to do it. That was. But yeah, so she's running through the streets and she's knocking on neighbors doors and no one's picking up, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the same way Laurie Strode in the first original movie was trying to get people and everyone was ignoring her until she threw a potted plant out a window. <laughs> um, well, you know, what is interesting, of course, is that eventually she actually does get to a neighbor's house mm-hmm. and like uh, Dr. Sertain and Hawkins arrive there and pick her up there. And she's actually is being taken care of like by some neighbors who've like given her something to drink and stuff. I feel like that's the point where the two movies kind of distinct, like where the, these new movies they establish what they have very different than the original movies. And that's that sense of community of Haddonfield being a community. And Michael's a plague on that community, not just on Laurie Strode. Right. And I think that's, that's what makes these movies really distinct and really wonderful and just so original from the actual original movie. Yeah. And, um, and something there too, I noticed like in, in the original it didn't really show like a whole lot of people like engaging in Halloween activities. It was almost like the streets were like empty. No one was around. Yeah. But for for this movie, especially earlier in the night, um, you know, they had kids like doing trick or treating. And Michael was just like walking around with every all these people around. Even uh, Vanessa, you don't really get to know her in this movie, but she so shows up in the second. Um, but she's dressed up as uh, a nurse. And she sees Michael and then like kind of looks at him and then gets in her car and drives away. So it's interesting how he's like out and about. And of course, it's Halloween. So he's able to do that. And it's cool that they use that in this movie because I don't think they did at all in the original. No, I I, I 100% agree. And I do like that they planted that uh, Vanessa and her husband there in the first one. That was kind of neat to see. Mm-hmm. What I would have loved to see with that is if someone just approached them and if they said, hey, that's a really insensitive costume or something. Like, they got on his case for wearing a Michael Myers costume. Like, just because, like, it's, like, really frowned upon in that town or something. I think that would have been nice. Yeah, I think that would have been nice. Because they they did throw a few things up. I think that would be meta, of course, in in a lot of ways. Like, something they did earlier is uh, Dave, Vicky's boyfriend, if you remember Vicky, um, 
and I have something to talk about with her and oh, okay. the kid she was babysitting as well. But Dave uh, says earlier in the movie something along the lines of, you know, like, well, in the grand scheme of like what we're dealing with today, you know, one killing spree in 1978 isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like those little, you know, references. I, I just I thought that was fun. No, I agree. It is because it's very true and it's quite sad that it's true. <laughs> yes. And of course, like it can come off. Uh, the wrong way like I know that in some ways it's like uh, it can be like a stereotype of like a millennial or like a gen uh, a zoomer yeah but I think the way that he mentioned it was pretty natural and like was kind of poking fun at the actual story itself which is always nice I'd agree it didn't come off as anything too like offensive or anything yeah it was really just poking fun at itself and I think that's it's little things like that that help it not take itself too seriously which definitely helps because, again, the story is a little inherently silly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I want to hop over to the ending real quick, Ian, where Michael is trapped in the basement. Uh, the flames are engulfing him. Uh, he's looking up at them just like, well, this was kind of a jerk move. Yeah, he looks like a sad dog in that scene. He kind of does, yeah. Looking uh, through the cracks like, um, okay. Did you think? Did you think Michael died at this point? Did you think that was the end of him? Like they were going to have to somehow explain like a new Michael Myers or something in the second? I didn't think it was the end of him necessarily, but I did think it was a possibility. And the reason for that is because when they catch a ride with someone to take Lori to the hospital and uh, Allison is gripping on to the bloody knife that she stabbed Michael with, you know, the bloody kitchen knife. They focus on it, like zoom in on it. And I thought that was quite interesting. I thought there might be possibility of him like handing down this evil to someone else. Uh, you know, that that weird scene where the doc- Dr. Sartain stabs Hawkins. Yeah. When I originally saw that, I was so confused. But I thought maybe Michael had died and he passed on the evil to Dr. Sartain, which I, I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have been ridiculous. That would have been quite so, yeah. But... That's what I thought happened at first, and I thought maybe they were going to do that um, at the end there. Maybe Al- suddenly Allison like becomes the new Michael. I didn't think that was the most likely possibility, but because of the way that they focused on that knife, I thought it was possible. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely something we considered. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're approaching the end of kind of our first our first segment, Ian, on our first movie. Is there anything you want to say before we hop into what the audience said about this first movie? Yeah, I do have a little funny thing. Let's hear it. Um, so, of course, there's this scene where uh, Vicky, who's supposed to be, I think, Allison's uh, best friend or something. Yeah. Um, re- it's reminiscent of like the baby, you know, the babysitting from the original. Yeah. Vicky's like babysitting this kid, Julian. And of course, Dave comes over. And it's just really funny because, you know, she goes up, she checks the room. Of course, she doesn't check the closet because she's a rookie, rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets uh, killed by Michael. But Julian like runs down. And he's like, Dave, oh gosh, Dave, he's going to kill you, Dave. And then he just runs away. Like, he, just, <laughs> he just tells, and I, I think, again, that's one of those little things where the movie's poking fun at itself and having like this almost self-aware child who's like, this guy's going to kill you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I enjoyed that. I agree, it was fun. I really like that kid too, Julian. Mm-hmm. Like, he, was, he was just great. It was, a good, it was a good kid actor. Yeah, especially. It really was. Um, <laughs> all right, well, Ian, so as I said, our audience gave this movie a 7.1 and I left more open-ended questions this time around mm-hmm. and this, this part doesn't quite have as many, but overall our survey's got a lot more open-ended stuff. 
So I asked them, say you're a survivor, much like Laurie Strode. You survived a terrible assault where your friends died, had a kid later in life, and your killer is out there alive still, even if imprisoned. Describe your life in this situation. Are you paranoid and defensive like Laurie, or do you try to recover? Could you? Um, me, I would, uh, I would never recover. I would 100% carry a knife with me everywhere and be very upset if anyone tried to take my knife or something. Because mm-hmm. I was like, no, I could die at any time. I need this. Um, <laughs> just being realistic, I, I think it would have just like that kind of scarring effect on me of being scared all the time. Right. I think I would try to recover and sort of get back to a, a normal state. I think there might be little things, especially like trying to protect myself extra, like when I'm in a vulnerable state, like sleeping. Maybe I uh, like yeah. put an extra lock on my door or something. But I think overall, uh, I would try to return back to how I was. I would try. I don't think I would get there if I'm being honest with myself. I would definitely be a little messed up still. Definitely hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's try it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, our first one is: I honestly think I would be paranoid and defensive like Lori. Um, ooh. Our second one. Okay. I would probably end up being a serial killer as well. He seemed to enjoy it enough. Might as well try it out. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. If you I mean, can't if you beat can't... him, join him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, it's hard for me to say because I've never been in that situation. But one time when I was seven, <laughs> hold on, where's this getting? I took a jelly bean out of a jelly bean container at a shop, and the cashier yelled at me. I still haven't emotionally recovered from that. <laughs> so yeah, if a serial killer attacked me, I'd probably be running for life. <laughs> I I forget that is you very fair. Jelly bean, if that's what you need. No, you can't. You can't. You can't forgive him. It, only one person could ever forgive him for that, and That's who true. knows where that person is, yeah, that or what jelly know. beans they're watching over <laughs> nowadays. Um. Uh, this next one is: I think I'd always keep tabs on the killer and make sure they're still in prison. Surely, I'd probably never recover from the events then. Um. Yeah, I think keeping tabs on them would be something that we'd all kind of have to do. I I, mm-hmm. I could see it going both ways of just like never wanting to hear of them again, though. So. Now, of course, you have to be able to afford to move, and that's way easier said than done. But assuming Lori has the money to fortify her house like that, I feel like she might have the money to move somewhere else other than Haddonfield. So personally, just for me, now I know her goal is in a weird way to try to actually kill him, which it's hilarious because she says like, you know, I've been praying for his escape for like ever. And then the guy's like, well, that was a dumb thing to pray for. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I was like, you but said anyway, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, like, so that's kind of her goal. So maybe that's why she stayed. But for me personally, I would I would try to move somewhere else. I would not want to be in the same state as that person. Yeah, I think moving would definitely be the best option for me as well. Yeah, I mean, physically moving is a great way to also mentally move on. Yeah, that's true. Our next one is I absolutely would not be able to recover and would live the rest of my life in abject terror. Honestly, the hardest part of this to imagine is that I have a kid. If I did, though, I would definitely have been paranoid and done everything I could to prevent what happened to me from happening to them. Honestly, I think the biggest things I would change are they'd use non-gun weapons to accidentally to kill or harm other people with them. Also, what if the killer gets hold of one? Also, I hate guns. But what about archery slits in the house and tons of arrows stashed everywhere? <laughs> Genius. Just seven days to die him. Well, actually, they go on. They say, I would have a much smaller house with way fewer crannies. Also, if you've seen I Am Legend, that's how my house would be with the military-grade steel walls. Oh, that's, yeah. There you go all out with it. I see. I like uh, that. You sleep in the bathtub with your dog. There you go. Yeah, take it. 
I have probably like three to five large watchdogs to tell me when a killer is close. Although then I would obsessively protect them when the killer came. That's the trick behind watchdogs. It's hard to like have a watchdog and understand that like they're probably going to be the first to go if something actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that, sad. That's... It's also, I always think that like that's probably what the dog would want is like to protect their person. Probably true. The last one is I would absolutely be like Lori. I don't think I'd ever be able to rest as long as my attacker and stalker is still alive. I'd be seeing them in every window, behind every tree, every time I close my eyes. That kind of shit would drive just about anyone crazy. I'm honestly kind of pissed about how Lori's family treated her until they realized that she was right the entire time. Karen has a right to distance herself from Lori because of the pretty, comparatively, shitty way she was raised. But for her to go around with her husband telling Lori to just get over it and move on when the woman spent her entire life haunted by Myers... I mean, the audacity is just, let's just say I understand why your character is named Karen. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Digging into the Karen name, huh? Damn. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Her her saying get over it is pretty insensitive, but I can also, I can kind of see where she's coming from because she's angry that she didn't get her normal childhood. Of course, this happens all the time where, you know, people affected by trauma um, end up passing some sort of trauma onto their uh, you know children and so it's like just because they have trauma doesn't justify them to like give their kids trauma yeah it doesn't justify but it does it's kind of i feel like it's hard to not let happen yeah it's one of those things where like you can understand how people are behaving even if you don't like it mm -hmm. so our next one is did you think michael died in the end of this movie did anyone say yes <laughs> someone said yes actually oh uh I I kind of had a feeling he couldn't have died, but I was also very much open to the idea of him dying. Yeah, same. Become the second movie. I was I was looking for like, well, what could they do if he did die? Um, and I said, if no, how did you, how do you think they'd explain him surviving? Uh, I'm not sure. It'll probably be similar to how he survived the fire. Plot armor. Wait, that 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 is what we're talking about. Is how he survived the fire, though. <laughs> but okay. Hmm. <laughs> uh, at this point i was half convinced his legs were robotic and he just yeet himself out of any situation all right he would just jump uh, like jason xing it a little bit um <laughs> they'll say just about anything in horror movies to explain how these killers are still alive could be logical could be supernatural there's always something do they ever really explain i mean he basically can't die right honestly at this point why hasn't someone cut up his body and buried the parts in separate graves on different continents <laughs> <laughs> wow uh um, now, last one is, well, I didn't think he would die because I knew they made another one this year. I thought maybe they'd make him like a crawl space or some other obscure hole to crawl out of. Him slaughtering an entire crew of, oh, wait, oh, oh, we're getting into spoilers for the second, which we can't do. Yeah, we're not getting there Hold yet. Hold on. Uh, he does what he wants and he cares not for the trivial laws of what humans are physically capable of. <laughs> uh, oh, I get it. It's because he's not human. I get it now. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that's that's all the responses we have for our first one, Ian. All right, man, this is so weird. It feels like the end of an episode, but now we have a whole nother movie to do. I know, it's crazy. It feels like, <laughs> I don't know, it feels like Christmas. It, it does, except it's Halloween. <laughs> My know. goodness. It's all wrong. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so you want to go ahead and introduce us? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pass of Fear, everyone. <laughs> uh, I remembered it this time. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, okay. It's it's time for Halloween Kills, the movie that just came out. Um, now, of course, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm about to drop a teaser, so maybe you can decide if you want to see it before you listen to the rest of it. But yeah, uh, without further ado, should I do the teaser? Go for it. All right. 
The house trapping Michael Myers in a torrent of fire burns bright, and Laurie sighs in relief, knowing the evil behind the white mask has finally been vanquished. However, evil is hard to kill, and as the house crumbles, a shadow rises from it. Michael is not dead, and the people of Haddonfield are far from safe. With Lori injured, it will be up to her daughter, Grand's daughter, and the people of Haddonfield to stop him. No matter what happens, one thing becomes clear to everyone. Halloween kills. Spectacular. <laughs> um, well, so what was your take on this one, Ian? What? What kind of like... All right. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 I'm ready. Unfortunately... I think that this movie was not very good. Interesting. <laughs> I I don't think it was a good sequel. Um, or it, technically, it's like a third movie. But anyway, the sequel to uh, 2018 Halloween. Um, I don't think it was very creative, and I don't think it was able to keep that same level of like not taking itself too seriously. I think it took itself too seriously, and uh, that combined with like what I would say is a rather not innovative story. It's not terrible. It's just not very good. I hear you. Um, so what, what rating did you end up giving it? So I gave it a, a four out of 10, a four out of 10. Hot damn. Yeah, um, just, yeah, just not very good. Movie. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this movie and I think it damn. did a lot to elevate the Halloween movies. Uh, so I gave it a nine out of 10. I went the opposite way of union. Wow, okay, yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. Things are getting spicy this Halloween. Mm -hmm. Our audience <laughs> gave it a 6.8 out of 10. So they, they remained mostly the same. They dropped a little bit. I do agree that at times it took itself a tad seriously, but I feel like mm -hmm. with all they were trying to bring to Halloween, it was hard not to take itself too seriously at times. Right. Overall, I really like what they brought to Halloween. It felt very original, but while also doing justice by the original movie. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Do you want to do a summary? Yeah, let's hop into that summary and we'll get into it. All right. Second summary of the episode, everyone. 40 years ago, on October 31st, 1978, the story of Deputy Frank Hawkins unfolds. Hawkins and his partner enter the old Myers house to look for Michael, who had escaped his encounter with Dr. Loomis. Hawkins' partner is ambushed by Michael. Hawkins tries to shoot Michael, but instead shoots his partner in the neck, killing him. Soon after, Michael is captured outside by the rest of the police force. Dr. Loomis prepares to execute Michael, believing him too evil to be left alive. But Hawkins stops him. Back in present day, October 31st, 2018, Hawkins is laying on the grounds, bleeding to death, after he was stabbed by Dr. Sertain. Before he dies, he's found by Cameron, who had been walking home after the high school dance. Cameron calls for an ambulance while Hawkins mutters about making up for the mistakes he made in 1978 and how he vows to kill Michael Myers. He needs to die, and I'm the one who's gonna get him. Meanwhile, the survivors of Michael Myers' first killing spree celebrate the 40th anniversary of his imprisonment. Attending are survivors Tommy Doyle, Marion Chambers, Lindsay Wallace, and Cameron's father, Lonnie Elam. 
At the same time, firefighters respond to Laurie Strode's burning house. After one firefighter falls into the basement, the others accidentally release Michael trying to save him. Michael faces the team of firefighters head-on and slaughters all of them. Lori, her daughter Karen, and her granddaughter Allison finally reach the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Lori undergoes emergency surgery for the stab wound Michael inflicted on her earlier that night. After Michael escapes from Lori's burning house, he makes his way back to Haddonfield, murdering two of Lori's neighbors on the way. The folks at the 40th anniversary celebration learn of Michael's new killing spree on the TV. Directly afterwards, bar patron Vanessa runs in and says Michael is in her car. Tommy, along with most of the others at the bar, grabs some blunt weapons to go investigate, but the car drives off before they could see if it was Michael. Tommy decides enough is enough and forms a mob of vengeful Haddonfield residents who agree to hunt down and kill Michael themselves. All right, Lonnie, listen, the only way we're going to stop this is if we all come together on this. Yeah, goddamn right. All right. All right. Back at the hospital, Karen is informed by the police that Michael is still alive, but she decides not to tell Lori, fearing it may hurt her recovery. Cameron visits the hospital to see Allison, despite their sudden breakup after the dance, and they reconcile. Allison decides to join Tommy's mob with Cameron and his dad Lonnie to get revenge on Michael for killing her father. An injured but alive Hawkins is brought to the same room as Lori. Lori tells him she killed Michael, and the two of them reminisce about the feelings they had for each other when they were younger. I was hoping for more. But I knew you were sweet friend. Ben Tramer. As part of Tommy's new town militia, Marion, Lindsay, Vanessa, and her husband Marcus drive around looking for Michael and tell people to get inside. After telling some kids in a park to get inside, they are confronted by Michael, who kills all of them, except for Lindsay, who barely escapes with her life. She, along with the deceased, are found by Tommy, Lonnie, Allison, and Cameron. He's still out there, Tommy. Be okay, Lindsay. You're gonna be okay. He's still out there. The group maps out Michael's path of carnage and figures out that it's all along the way to his childhood home. He was never after Laurie specifically, as it was Dr. Sartain who drove him to Laurie in the first place. Tommy takes Lindsay to the hospital and reunites with former Haddonfield Sheriff Lee Brackett, whose daughter Annie was killed in the 1978 killing spree. Tommy informs Laurie about Michael's survival and tells her he'll take care of it. When he gets here, I'm gonna fucking kill him. Because 40 years ago, when I was a kid, you protected me. So tonight, I'm going to protect you, okay? Across town, Michael murders the current owners of his house, and Lori prepares to leave the hospital, taking lots of painkillers to get herself on her feet. Lance Tavoli, a patient out of Smith's Grove Psychiatric Hospital, had escaped at the same time Michael did. He was the man inside Vanessa's car, and was now inside the hospital. Mistaking him for Michael, Tommy's mob pursues him through the corridors and up the stairs of the hospital. Karen realizes that Lance isn't Michael, and in the chaos she manages to get to him first, 
helping him lock himself inside of a room. Despite her attempts to save Lance, the mob refuses to listen and breaks into the room, causing Lance to jump out of the sixth-story window in a desperate attempt to escape, dying on impact. After realizing she can't do much in her current state, Lori urges Karen to join Tommy in hunting down Michael. Lonnie, Allison, and Cameron head to the old Myers house to see if Michael's there. Thinking it's irresponsible to put two teenagers in danger, Lonnie heads in alone, equipped with a gun. Allison and Cameron rush inside after hearing a gunshot and find Lonnie's corpse before being attacked by Michael themselves. Michael brutally murders Cameron in front of Allison, despite her attempts to distract him. No! 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 As Michael prepares to kill Allison, Karen stabs him in the back with a pitchfork and steals his mask, taunting him to follow her. She leads Michael into Tommy's mob who swarms him, seemingly beating him to death. As EMTs tend to Allison while Karen comforts her, Michael recovers from the mob's beatings and systematically massacres all of them, including Tommy and Brackett. Karen goes into Michael's home to look around, and finds herself in Judith Meyer's old bedroom, looking at her own reflection in the window. Michael appears behind her and stabs her to death while Lori stares at her own reflection in the hospital room window. Spectacular. <laughs> I think there are two parts for me where it feels like it wasn't taken seriously. And but what, where did you feel like it was really taking itself too seriously? It's hard for me to remember like the specific times, but I believe it was through Lori's monologues. Mostly. Yeah. Um, like where she was talking about like, uh, I don't know, the, the fear taking over the community and like, and like where it was very obvious they were trying to make Michael Myers more metaphorical. Like, the thing that you should fear is, like, fear itself. Yeah. I think that's where they're taking themselves a little too seriously. It's, like, through those monologues and through almost forcing this, like, meta... Because I don't think they needed to really point it out. I think the metaphor is pretty obvious, and I think it's fine. Um, But just the way that they sort of tried to make that the focal point in a lot of ways, yeah, it just didn't really hit me the right way. No, I hear you. Um, And I think that... Yeah, her monologue, especially at the end, which we'll talk about a little more later. I don't want to hop straight to the end for this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do think that it felt a little bit much, but I also feel like the ending would have felt very silly if we didn't have some kind of strong, I don't know, that strong monologue to back it up. Right. So I feel like the ending is just such a crazy thing to do in a movie that it was going to feel silly either way to an extent. I would agree. And like at the end of the day, the silliness isn't even what bothers me. It's when that silliness is like supposed to be serious. Yeah. And it's like, ah, that, that, then that makes it almost cringy in some ways. No, I hear you. I hear you. I think the other part that felt a little too serious for me 
was simply Tommy's unrelenting, let's go get Michael. It made for an interesting <laughs> part of the story, but I also felt like he, he's portrayed to us as this kind of like nice guy in the beginning and kind of like, I don't know, he's just a very community man, but then he's mm-hmm. just blinded. He becomes very one dimensional. Yeah, exactly. They, they take away his character. That's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just he gets blamed after that. And I feel like he it just wasn't interesting at that point. Uh, yeah, of a character. I think the plot part he made by being that character was interesting, but mm-hmm. he himself lost any kind of like character appeal. Yeah. So uh, let's 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 hop to the beginning real quick, where we see Cameron uh, find Oscar's body. He finds the body, or not the body, but what should have been the body, because I don't know how you survive getting stabbed in the neck and then run over. I mean, um, you mean Hawkins, right? Yeah, Hawkins. Like, I just, I don't under, like, it should have been Hawkins' body. I don't, I don't, he's, I don't mind Michael living all the stuff he loves, but Hawkins doesn't get that same treatment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, and if I remember correctly, um, in watching that scene from the first movie, I'm pretty sure uh, the doctor stabs him in the neck and then stabs him again after getting on top of him. It's, it was too much. I, I don't, I don't remember how many times he stabbed. Uh, yeah, I was, he was stabbed in the neck and he's run over is what I know for sure. And like, that's enough. That'll that'll do me in for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and I guess that's one of those things where it's it almost again, feels a little forced where it's like, well, they they wanted all this backstory for him. And because of all this backstory that they want to put in there because he's the one who captured Michael, then they want to bring him back so that he's involved in some more ways. Um, even though in this movie, at least he's not actually that involved because he's injured. I guess maybe he'll make a return in the next one. But still, yeah, it felt felt a little forced, the fact that he's able to live through that. It didn't bother me too much because I see that they, they kind of needed him for that past, that flashback they had. And that flashback I thought was really well placed because it they're postponing telling us if Michael lived or not. Right. And Michael comes across that kid. Uh, I think Lonnie was the kid, right? Yep. Uh, Yeah. And he just stares him down before the two people come and pick him up. And he's like, he was right there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was 100 percent constructing a narrative in my mind at that point of like, oh, he became obsessed with Michael Myers at this point. So he's going to pick up that mantle now that Michael's dead. Um, Oh, that's interesting. uh, I was I was just thinking of the what would be happening if Michael were dead here. So I thought that was really cool. Um, And his whole chase down of Michael, it was Really cool revisiting the original before hopping into this new stuff they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really well done. I really felt like it could have been the night of that original. I, I think the way that they made everything look, I, I want to say they it intentionally made it look like the sort of 1978, like with the, you know, the colors and everything. Just yeah, maybe even like the like the gradients or whatever, like it, it felt like the original in a lot of ways, the way they did it. It even felt like maybe even a little extra cheesy. Maybe that was intentional. And uh, yeah, I thought the flashback was uh, pretty well done. But then we get into Michael killing all those firefighters. And that was like, oh, my God, that was insane. And for me, this is actually when the movie started to go bad. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and of course, like I do understand like this dynamic. Like I, I do. Like I said, I understand the evolution of like Michael versus the community. And like um, they're showing him that, you know, he can kill like a whole group of firefighters. But. This is also where Michael starts to get, I don't know, like a little too much for me because he's able to kill like 
I don't know what, like eight firefighters who are all armed. And he's able to like just kill all of them in a group. And of course, they all attack him one at a time because I guess the choreography is easier that way. <laughs> but um, it becomes a little too silly regarding uh, the power of Michael, I think, because usually he's able to get people, you know, one on one or one on two, like in situations where they're very scared or like he's able to take advantage of people in situations and like take them by surprise ambush them like that's that's michael's deal uh but now they're suddenly taking this evolution in the sequel where he's able to take a lot of people on directly face to face and that's when it i think i think for me i'm not a big fan of that evolution of michael um because it just makes him i guess a little too powerful without having to be mysterious like it sort of takes away that mysterious some of the mysteriousness behind him because it's just like, oh, he's just able to kill a lot of people. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um and yeah, it was definitely different to see him just take on a group. Uh, yeah. For me, so I'll say that I really like the way he survived. Uh that locker because they set it up in the beginning. They gave you all the stuff to see it. Uh there was a bunch of water on the shelves, which I think he doused himself in, so he wasn't so flammable. Um because he was super wet when he came out. Mm -hmm. but he, there's also just the garage and that was the main thing was he was able to be in the garage and survive that because of the garage like gun space yeah um so I, I thought that was really cool i thought that was a nice way to do it because i didn't i didn't feel too cheated because they gave us those means mm -hmm. um and i think that it was crazy seeing it. so i bought into the kind of like holy crap michael so much more than we thought kind of mindset because he was able to take on all these firefighters mm -hmm. um and he did it kind of one by one because the first firefighter he just catches by surprise um yeah uh and the second one he like he, he kind of catches them by surprise until there's a few left and then he takes on the rest of the group at once um and i thought the like shots they were doing from the firefighters masks and everything were super cool from there the only part i felt a little cheated by like a little like that doesn't make any sense out of everything was the fact that the fire hose yep <laughs> was this little trickle and i was like hold on this old fire hose is you silly billy uh you can't put out a fire with that i was watching it with my roommates and they were like man that thing has just like the water pressure of our kitchen sink yeah exactly <laughs> i was, it was that that was the part where i was like i don't that, i'm not buying that but it didn't ruin it for me still Honestly, like if they wanted to with that, they could have it like seem like it's the full force of a fire hose, but it's just hitting Michael and he's just not moving. Like maybe that's how you show like, all right, he's different now. <laughs> and, and maybe I think at that point I would have been like, he's so much more than you're like, because his being beyond human for him is always just being able to take a lot of hits. Yeah, it's but it's never like he's like actually superhuman in the sense of like I'm super strong or anything. He's a strong yeah, guy. Yeah, because that would but, be boring. That would be yeah, boring. exactly. Um, I I think it could have been really well done if we saw like the fire hose like launch it back into the porch and like he's impaled by a piece of wood or something. And then mm -hmm. when when they went to go see like if he was dead, he like then he tears them all apart. And that because that also gives him the chance to catch another one by surprise. Um, and I, I think that would have that would have been more to his strengths because i think he really is about surprise and like you know catching people off guard and again that's why that's why i started having trouble with this movie when he does just is able to just start killing large groups of people with weapons i, I liked his versatility of weapons myself i thought it was cool that he 
is just a killing machine. He doesn't need his knife. He's just like, I'll just kill you with whatever. It's fine. Oh, no, no, that that part. I, I mean, the firefighters all have weapons. And, yeah, but he's no. still able to take all of them on. Yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean. But uh, I like, yeah, I liked his versatility of weapons. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked so I didn't talk about this too much in the first because I feel like it's exemplified a lot in the second. Um, but it, it comes into play in the first was it was very much this cross between Rob Zombie's Halloween and the original, because mm-hmm. uh, especially in the bathroom scene of the first where he's bashing in the reporters heads or the whatever they are journalists. Um, oh, yeah, we didn't talk about them. <laughs> yeah, he was a, but he was very, uh, he was very much the Rob Zombies, Michael Myers there, mm-hmm. uh, where he's just like the super strong, unstoppable force. But it's also kind of partnered with the original one, where he can just take a bunch of hits and he's just unrelenting. Um, so I felt like I just felt like that was really cool. I felt like that was really well done. Yeah, um, it was smart to bring in that kind of like because I do think Rob Zombies Michael Myers brought that to the table very well. Definitely. So I do like seeing kind of those qualities in him. And I think it's necessary if you want to have him do these sorts of things. I mean, you, you need to give him more. <laughs> to yeah, work exactly. With. Uh, and I want to say the firefighter scene, I felt like was a great preset to the scene we see later uh, at the end. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't only stick to groups after that. After that, he is taking people on one by one. So he's being tactical about it. Yeah. So I feel like he's tactical about it to the best of his ability. But when he needs to, he'll go full, full out, full, full, force. full Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, uh, I dug it. I, I dug it myself. I liked it gave Michael so much more to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not not in just a sense of like, I didn't feel like they gave him any more power or anything i just felt like wow like i've underestimated michael kind of this whole time Mm -hmm. uh so i really dug that well let's talk about uh this whole theme of like mob violence that this movie portrays because it's like a really big deal in this movie like you know uh tommy gets this whole the whole town together basically and, and forms like a militant group to hunt down michael it's interesting, like they seem to sort of pose it as like, well, you know, the cops aren't doing enough, so they do need to do this. And they're also sort of saying that, oh, but, you know, mob violence is terrible because this innocent man gets killed as a result of it because they think he's Michael. What do you think about like this theme of of mob violence that this movie shows? I feel like it was almost a little necessary to like form all these groups to find Michael and stuff. Mm-hmm. because had we just seen that the community was like, oh, no, Michael's killing again, and then they just, like, locked their doors, like, that's, that that is, that isn't believable, you know? Of course, something's going to happen more than that. Right. So I do feel like it was almost necessary to have that. As for making that such a prevalent theme in the movie, I think that's kind of what elevated the Halloween series. It made Michael so much more of an influence than just on these few babysitters in the house and stuff. It made him, like, a real force to be reckoned with on... Uh, the scale of a community, which I thought was really cool. Uh, as for the mobs themselves being like kind of this terrible force, I think uh, I think it added a lot to the movie. I don't know if it was necessary for the movie, but I do feel like it was a great idea because of how emotionally driven that hospital scene became. Mm-hmm. And it really made me have a different light on Karen as a character when she was trying to help the poor man being hunted by everybody in the hospital. I would agree with that as well. I think I think that helped me with Karen's character a little more. Uh, it gave her more depth and like made her more of a character to be interested in. 
we really got attached to her character in this movie. And I think they very intentionally did that because like someone said in the beginning, in the first movie, she was kind of annoying mm-hmm. um, up, up until the end when she called, pulled the cool acting play on Michael. Oh yeah. That that's when I was like, Oh, Karen mm-hmm. might be kind of cool. Yep. And then she kept it up and it was, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, how about you? What was your, what was your kind of take on this whole mob thing? Ian? I, I, I can see why they would need it. Um, like you said, I mean, otherwise, if they didn't have a reaction from the town, like if they just locked their doors again, I mean, first of all, just story wise, they won't change anything. Um, so like, what do they do now with the story? You know, in, in that way, it is sort of realistic that they have this sort of reaction. I don't know how much I'm into it. I don't know what gets me about it, but just the whole Michael versus the town conflict going on. It just going back to like the firefighters and everything. I can see why it would be something that, you know, people would either really like or really not like because it's very different than what we've seen from Michael before. So it's either, you know, it's an evolution. And I think that that evolution can be seen as both like really interesting and and cool and like shows you that like what kind of power he has. But at the same time, it does change him quite a bit. Yeah, I, I hear that. Going back to the mob stuff, though. I, it was interesting how, I mean, they, they seem to be like trying to organize, right, to hunt down Michael. However, you actually, you only see the characters that we somewhat care about uh, actually acting in this capacity. Like we see Tommy, we see Lonnie, Cameron, and um, Allison, and then, you know, Tommy's on his own for some reason. Um, and then we see uh, like that car of like Vanessa, her husbands, um, Marion, and Lindsay. And th- those are like the groups that we see. I'm actually trying to find Michael. That also felt uh, a little silly to me, like how how they went about it. Um, I was actually fine with uh, with like the group of four, like Vanessa and, and everyone, like and how they were killed um, almost in being like, I guess, overconfident in their capabilities. But there were four of them. So it's like they thought that they would be all right with four of them and with guns. Uh, and the way that actually Michael ambushes them is more Michaelish, and sort of explains how he can take on a large group with, you know, of people who are armed. Um, aside from the fact that Vanessa disappears midway through the fight and then reappears at the end, but then there's also like Lonnie who takes two teenagers with him to Michael's house after they realize that that's where he's going, and then only when they get there is he like, maybe I shouldn't have two teenagers with me while I hunt down a killer. I'm gonna go in by myself that point it's like okay like i understand like you know they're riled up and everything but it seems like the way that they go about it is a little silly and it's almost like they're trying to make it so that michael you know doesn't have to deal with all this trouble until the end yeah i uh i hear you and i do think it was a little silly of him to go in alone like he was like i have to do this because michael straight up <laughs> when i was a child um yeah <laughs> uh i i do feel like his character decision there just didn't make any sense Cause like what what are you gonna do? Like you know, mm-hmm. he's he's killed way worse than you, Lonnie. Yeah. Where, where, whereas like I do like that group of like Vanessa and everyone because there's four of them. Their arms. Like I can see why they believe that they can take on Michael if necessary, even though they don't even want to really. And then they they are taken by surprise, right? Like that makes sense to me. But like both like Tommy going off on his own, like some idiot believing he can take on Michael with a bat. Um, and like Lonnie thinking that he can take on Michael with a gun it's just after they've seen what he can do that's just kind of like okay I don't know about this <laughs> yeah uh, Tommy I can kind of see Tommy just because he was a little overzealous 
Yeah, um, and he it felt like he had the whole town support, so he felt like he was a hero by some sense. Like he just made himself out to be much more than he was. So I, I see, I can see his thinking behind it, but yeah, Lonnie's was just weird. Um, and I want to say we're talking about him going to the house. I loved Little John and Big John and their whole yeah. interactions. That was great. I think they were a wonderful addition to the story. I wanted to know more about Big John and Little John and their story. <laughs> I I did too, and it made them feel like real characters to me. That like they, I knew they had more. Um, yeah, especially for like how little they were. They felt so influential though, even though they were really just an excuse to tell us about Michael. Like make this legend of Michael in the house, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of this movie was pointing towards him looking at that window um, and looking inwards in the window instead of out on Haddonfield, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they were a really great way to do that and a really great way to show him getting to his house. And it was it was interesting um, because the people that like Michael kills, like sort of in his classic way in this movie, are Big John and Little John, and then also those two uh, older folks who I think are like Laurie's neighbors. And the way that they sort of come about it, like in this in this in the movie that we watched prior, um, or I don't want to say the first one because the first one's the original, but yeah. you know, the twenty eighteen Halloween. While he's like you know killing these people, um, for some of them, like there's almost no backstory given at all. Like they're just people that he's killing semi creatively, and that's you know that's supposed to be like his thing. In this one, it was interesting how they decided to try to add to them a little more before Michael killed them. Like, it would show them, like, talking um, and, like, you know, having lives before Michael would kill them, which I, I thought was interesting. Like, I guess they're trying to make it them extra brutal that way. Yeah, well, I feel like they're trying to make them brutal in the sense of we care about these characters now. Um, right. Because so it's so easy to just have them kill a bunch of people, but we don't care about any of them uh, for so much mm-hmm. of it. But I actually cared about these two, not... I felt something for them. So seeing them die, I was like, wow, that really just sucks. Um, yeah. And it was great that they had those kids like that pretended to eat the rusty razor blade in the candy or whatever. I liked seeing them <laughs> kind of like cross over between the two, like between Little John and Big John's story and then the uh, hunting patrol story. Yep. I, I thought that was kind of nice. that They kind of like connected the town in that way. Yeah, that was that was neat. So, yeah, I it was just good stuff. I really enjoyed their whole shindig. And I feel like, Ian, that brings us to the end, which I've been wanting to talk about at the end of this movie because it was that was like crazy. You and it got ridiculous for you, right? You you felt like and I can totally see this and I kind of felt a little <laughs> myself of just like how like one, how is he alive? But that's Michael for you. Yeah. Um, but then also, how does he kill a whole bunch of these people? Yep. Um, And it was made a lot more dramatic by Laurie's monologue, especially I think the monologue could have been better written was the issue for me. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, again, it sort of approaches on that cringy sort of aspect of it when it's supposed to be serious. So it's like it's when it sounds silly, but you're saying it seriously. Yeah, well, and it was the fact that the monologue just made him out to be so much more than he made it. it It made him a metaphor. Yeah. And that was the issue with it, I think. Had she just been talking about like, I think her talking about her own pain and the pain the community has felt because of it would have been very different. Totally. Um, Like a reflection thing. But instead, she was talking about all that Michael is now and how he's in. And like she even said, like, he's not he's more than flesh and blood. And I was just like, well, like, we're supposed to kind of see that. But like, you're not really supposed to believe. Exactly. And, And that's what I was talking about before, like with the metaphor thing of like. The metaphor's there. You don't need to point it out. Yeah. <laughs> so I do feel like they did try to explicitly make him a metaphor too much with that monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think a monologue was necessary there because otherwise it would have just been Michael killing a bunch of people again. 
um, when he shouldn't I would have been agree. able to. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the monologue itself could have been a better monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, I was still like, I was I was like awestruck by Michael. I was just like, oh my god, Michael, you freaking badass, killing all these dudes. And I think, and I think, and and like like you guessed, I came about it just as I did with the firefighters, where I was like, okay, I mean, at this point, what can even stop Michael, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like, where do we go from here? Because he's just killed like half the town. <laughs> at least that's how it feels like, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's it, it's just, it's just what do you do from here? What what is Michael now? Um, and I guess they were trying to say, well, actually, he's a metaphor, and it's like, well, metaphors don't kill that many people. It definitely did come off a little more silly to me, and the monologue didn't help, as you were saying. And so I just, I kind of lost what the point was. And I think what helped me with those is the way it was choreographed, actually, was that he did still, like, even though they were in a group, um, he did kind of, like, take it one by one still. Yeah. And use the element of, like, why is there a man stepping out of this fire on the firefighters? And in this, he kind of used the element of, like, how is this guy getting back up to his benefit? Um, yeah, so he had a degree of surprise, but then also, yeah, he still took everybody one by one, like Michael does, even if it was in a group setting. Mm-hmm. So uh, had he just been like, I don't know, pulling off all these like ninja moves and like front flipping over somebody and then stabbing him and like throwing him into another guy, I would have been like, hold on, Michael, you're not a ninja. What are you doing? Yeah, um, no, I, yeah, totally, totally. For me, he still felt enough like I'm killing each of you individually and I am still just like this big Michael Myers so that's how that's how this is happening. So it didn't. I think that's uh, and usually I don't pay too much attention to the choreography. I think the only time I ever have otherwise is uh, John Wick, probably. Mm-hmm. So I see. I think that that's just kind of what did it for me was the way it was choreographed. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think the way that it was done, it makes it possible, even if it doesn't seem realistic. Um, you know, it it happens and and the way that it happens isn't isn't like like it's there's all these little things of like oh you know because he kills this person this way you know this person like flinches and like can't pull their gun out in time or like you know stuff like that um and and actually overall i would say just the choreography of like the kills and everything throughout the movie um yeah i i I had no problem with them i did like that that one guy was trying to shoot him but his gun was just empty and i was like oh my god yeah, Michael, you just took all those bullets. <laughs> um, so that brings us into the ending of the movie where he kills Allison. Yeah. Or no, not Allison. Sorry, he kills Karen. And that yes, was like, Karen. Jeez, that was I was I was actually like genuinely like, wow, that is so sad. Yeah. And Judas room. Yeah, it was. It was insane. And uh, it was very juxtaposing it with uh, Lori. And she's clearly like in distress, but she's also still very ignorant to the fact that her daughter is dead. Yeah, uh, that that's what did it for me. And I was like, this is actually so sad now. Like, that's actually a sad kill, which we don't get too often. Mm-hmm. Um, And especially they did it in like <laughs> it was weirdly classic Michael Myers style because yeah. it was just him stabbing. But we didn't actually see like any of her like getting stabbed. Like we never actually saw the blade really hitting her. Just his stabbing motions, hearing it, hearing her scream. And I was like, that's very 80s, like, killing style. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I think it was all to recreate Judith's death. Yeah. Um, like, the way that he was stabbing, which, like, if you actually look at Judith's death, I mean, it even looks kind of silly when you're looking at it because it's so, like, the motions are so big and, like, overdramatic. 
Uh, but he does it the same way here. And I don't know. It, it, that's pretty cool, actually, the way they do it. I'd agree. Yeah. No, I it was I thought that was really cool. And the throwback to his to do or not. Was it? Yeah, Judith. Mm-hmm. It was all just I, I liked it. It was great. And so, yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we hop into this? Uh, before we hop into the polls, Ian? Yeah, let's get into the survey. And then let's, uh, I guess, have some thoughts on these movies combined yeah uh so we as i said before they rated them a 6.8 uh so 0.3 less than the first one uh i asked what is it that you think drives michael the first option being he's simply built to kill he just wants to look inward in the spot he knows and how uh he has an obsession to kill laurie strode or other uh because i haven't quizzed you yet ian do you think one of these took the cake uh the most voted um i think the the one that the movie try like points to the most directly is probably just trying to get back to his house okay i don't know if that's what most people think but i'll go with that one okay yeah that uh that one was voted on but the most one was actually him being built to kill uh i'm not surprised that would that would be my second guess Mm -hmm. um there was one that wasn't voted on do you have a do you have a gander at what that is I would actually think that's obsessed with Lori because I think the movie's trying to say like actually not really. Yeah, they, they I and I agree they're kind of like debunking that to an extent, yeah. which is cool. I like that, which is good because that's like a question that you have after the original. It's like why Lori, and then it's yeah. like well because she was there. <laughs> yeah, it's not really Lori at all. Um, yeah. So and I asked them to explain other because we did have a few people vote for other. It was our second most voted beyond Built to Kill. Mm-hmm. Uh. The first is, his actions as a child put him into a sort of purgatory. He is now Sisyphus, destined to repeat this cycle for eternity. Which I think is kind of interesting. It's almost like he never was able to work through it as a child, never got the help he needed as a child, so therefore, it's just going to continue. Hmm. Kind of an interesting take. Yeah. The next one is, they actually said, I, I said he's built to kill, but I also want to point out, he obviously has an obsession with this old house for whatever reason. Which, yeah, to an extent... But why the old house is my is what I'm curious about. And I like that mm-hmm. uh, they explain his looking inward at one point of like uh, he was never looking out at Haddonfield. But yeah, he's like looking at himself and trying to figure out his motives in a way, which I thought was cool. It 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 almost brings about a layer of sympathy for Michael, mm-hmm. which is kind of neat of like it does. He doesn't really want to be evil. He just is. Um, and our last one, I'm not sure the writers know or that we are supposed to be able to figure it out. The way he's written, though, I don't think it's really a drive. He's not human, and the writing is more of a plot device than anything. He's a scorpion who kills the swan in the middle of the river. Um, hmm. To an extent, I feel like I don't get so much plot device out of him. Uh, he's, he's, of course, necessary for the plot. But <laughs> I do feel like they gave him a lot more character in this. I think, if anything, he's a plot device in the first one more than anything. And it is pretty hard to to build out that character when you can't have him talk. Yeah, exactly. And when you can't really give him a backstory uh, if you're basing it on the original. And I do like that. I like that the moments we saw his mask taken off, we saw he was crazy burned and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love seeing his mask burned and like torn up and stuff because it really shows a wear to an extent, Mm -hmm. which it gives the idea of like aging, but it also gives the idea of like maybe he can't live all of it you know maybe he maybe there is a limit Mm -hmm. i just the design of his mask i think is great um we have another one ian and this one doesn't have another option so here you go we see a lot of herd mentality here driven by fear let's say you're in this situation there's a murder spree in the town and people claim the murder is fleeing within the building an unrelenting hero uh an unrelenting hero figure 
is rallying people to end evil tonight, and people are already chanting with him. How do you respond? Our four options are, I follow the leader. I attempt to insist we stop and think things through. I try to find the man first in case it isn't him, or I leave the situation entirely. Mm. I would think, you know, I mean, I'll just go with what I would say, which is leave the situation entirely. I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is what most people voted on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's one that did not get any votes. Do you care to guess which one that is? Is it follow the leader? It is, yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> which I think is interesting, because I actually genuinely believe a lot more of us would follow the leader than we'd like to say. Perhaps, but like I think for me, in my experience, like especially with the events that have occurred um, with that sort of thing, is like things can get really dangerous, uh, you know, when people get that, you know, riled up. I don't want to be in that dangerous environment, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, I like to think I'd leave the situation entirely. Uh, I could all, but I could also see myself falling into it depending on how scared I am. And yeah. I think that depends on how personal the killings were for me if I knew these people. That's incredibly uh, true. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, if you inspire enough fear into me, I will hop on whatever feels safe. Yeah. And I think I think everyone operates that way to some extent. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what we got there. The next question I asked, Michael took a real beating in the end. Actually, he took a beating, a stabbing, a shooting and slicing, but he survives. Uh, how did this make you feel? Our option. And I left this so you could answer multiple. Like you could feel a bunch of different ways about it. Mm -hmm. Um. I said, sad, he's still on the loose to do more harm. Angry, he shouldn't have survived such injuries. Awestruck, how is he doing this? Annoyed, just die already, Michael? Or <laughs> joyful, yes, Michael's still going at it. That a boy. Uh, <laughs> I love all those options. Which one, which would you put yourself under, Ian? Which ones do you take off? Probably angry and annoyed. <laughs> angry and annoyed, all right. Uh, personally, I felt awestruck and sad was probably my two. Because uh, uh, I just, I felt for the community a lot. And so seeing them like actually find out they failed, I was like, damn, that really sucks. So yeah, uh, awestruck was not voted on. I was the only one that felt that. I, I, I could have sworn damn. some people would have felt awestruck. <laughs> Even if it annoyed you, I was like, hold up, but it's still kind of crazy, isn't it? But I suppose <laughs> no. <not>. <laughs> I'm <laughs> too annoyed to think about it right now. Yeah. Um, which do you think was the mo most voted on, Ian? I would think annoyed. It was annoyed, yeah, by a landslide. People hey. were very annoyed. <laughs> uh, joyful and sad were there. Nobody felt angry or awestruck. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised not angry, because if joy annoyed did so well, I felt like angry would have gotten with it, but I guess not. Mm -hmm. That's um, what I would think, too. So I, maybe, maybe it was because it's so silly. It's like, ah, I guess I'm not really angry. Just. Yeah. Just kind of, like, I feel like I'm, maybe, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, they like they had to care about the movie more to be done with it. That's fair. Um, and so I'll hop into the survey questions for the kind of the two together. I asked separately from the other ones, how scary were they to you? Um, however, I did not calculate them. Please hold. Your call is very important. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was a 3.8. People were not very scared of that one. The second got a 6.5, so it was it was significantly scarier than the first. Hmm. Um, and I I want to say that become that's because Michael is a much larger force to be reckoned with because we can all justify how we can get away from one serial killer who just kind of hunts you down, but how do we how do we get away from a dude who can take on like an army? I think also the deaths were a little more brutal 
Um, there were some deaths in the first one, which were actually like off screen, basically. But in this one, like the deaths were very up close and personal. Mm-hmm. And so our last is this. Our, no, we have two more questions. The movies as a whole, Ian. We have Halloween ends coming up. Do you feel like it should have just ended here? Or are you kind of like, are, do you think it works as a trilogy? Do you think it can work as a trilogy? I mean, if they're going to end anywhere, they should have ended the last movie and okay. had that be the end. Um, I think at this point, they can't really end it here. Uh, just the way that they've set it up. Um, I don't know where, where they're going to go from here, but it, it doesn't make uh, a good ending because it doesn't, it doesn't really close the arcs. Um, I think you could justify it as an ending because, you know, you come back to like Judas murder, um, but you just you leave a lot of open stuff on the table. Let's say they decided that Michael did die when he was beat up at the end there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think that would have been a good ending for Halloween or no? Well, I I don't think so either, because then like what what is the lesson that people have learned here that like we should become an angry mob and kill the person and then it's good. and We're we're all good. The lesson is friendship (laughs) i think that's a very poor message to leave with your audience that like well you know it's messy but you know you got to do what you got to do that would be a very irresponsible message to leave um and so yeah i don't think that would make a good very very good ending either and then these two movies do you feel like they were like a kind of a just continuation for the series for halloween uh i definitely think the 2018 one like is is like a, a good continuation, especially um, like we talked about, like how, you know, how they're able to bring back the old with the new um, and marry those two, I think is very admirable. And I think they do a great job. Um, so I think that's a, a great continuation there. Uh, you know, especially if you're a fan of the original, I think it's great. E- even though I'm not that big of a fan of the original, to be honest, but you know, I can kind of see why people would be fans of the original by watching this movie. But yeah, the, the second one, I mean, just because I I wasn't a big fan of how they evolved Michael through the second one. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I can I can still see the continuation. Like I can see the reasoning behind it um, and all that. So I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I think it's I think it's our all right. Continuation. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I feel like they're doing something original with the slasher, which is making him a plague on a community. He's gone from mm-hmm. like uh, kind of a legend on the community, uh, something that negatively affected a while ago to like an actual scourge on the community rather than just something that happens this night right which i think is it's a cool take we don't really get to see it yeah well Ian, for the for everything are there any last thoughts you have is there anything you want to say i think as far as slashers go they both do a really good job at it <laughs> you know with, with the kind of kills they have now as far as like and this is also why i'm not a big fan of most slashers is because just the slasher genre itself i'm not a big fan of like just uh you know a killer killing a bunch of people but there are other parts i can sort of uh, attach onto and like think are interesting or cool but i think that if you are really into that aspect of slashers like that sort of like you know the creativity of the kills and stuff like that i think that both these movies do a pretty good job at that um and do deliver that that slasher uh craving i think that some people have <laughs> yeah i i do if you do desire slasher these do it well yeah um and and you don't you don't see a lot of like big slashers nowadays you know especially ones that operate on the older slasher ideas yeah i but we're very tired of seeing all those old slashers but they did a very good job of t- bringing michael back 
uh, which I thought, yeah, it was cool. So our last two survey questions, Ian. Uh, I asked Halloween Ends is set to release come 2022. Should Paths of Fear revisit the first two and cover the entire trilogy next Halloween? And I left three options. Dive into the trilogy, just stick to the third, or ignore the third entirely. Uh, <laughs> no one wanted to ignore the third, luckily. I was, I was worried okay. that like, people were so done with it after the second <laughs> that they, they were like, nah, just forget about third. Um, most people do want to dive into the trilogy. Uh, Interesting. To, yeah. They want us to kind of revisit the whole trilogy, which I think could be cool. Um, yeah. And then... So some people just want us to stick to the third. And I think we'll probably, I want to say we'll probably end up doing a blend of the two come next mm-hmm. Halloween where we'll probably talk about the first two, um, but it's mainly going to be focused on the third and then the trilogy as a whole. Yeah, we might even like, I don't know, like uh, re-upload like this episode shortly before and um, then talk and then talk about the movies a little bit and then go into the third or something. Mm. But we'll um, figure something out. So and then I asked one more question. What do you predict for Halloween ends 2022? Will Michael finally die? Does Lori finally bite the bullet? Etc. Mm. Uh, do, do you have any predictions for 2022? What directions they'll take it in? I mean, based on the title alone, Halloween ends mm-hmm. uh, does imply the ends to Michael. Um, I'd have a hard time believing that they'd leave him left alive if this is supposed to be the last movie. Um, so, yeah, if I, if I had to guess, I would guess that Michael's going to die. But I also think that Laurie's going to die as well. Um, I think Allison might survive as like the final girl. Okay. Um, I I think that Laurie and Michael do have to die together. I feel mm-hmm. like they've almost set up that interesting connection between the two, even though it's, it's kind of like been debunked with this, uh, with Halloween Kills in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like there is a degree of that connection where they both have to go. Yeah. Uh, it can't just be one. Sort of out with the old and with the new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like the hound and the mountain. And I feel like I feel like we're gonna open up Halloween ends honestly with another f- flashback, like we did before. Because um, mm. I think that was one of the more enjoyable. That that is part of what made this movie more enjoyable was that flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like we're going to be revealed a little more to it. Um, and I want to. I almost want to say we're gonna get actually flashback to. When Michael was a kid and get more into Michael's origins and find somewhere in there the explanation for how he can be killed or like how he can be stopped or what motivates him. It will be interesting to see where the direction they said to go with it, because um, if they wanted, they could go a more supernatural direction, uh, like how the evil infected uh, Michael as a kid or something, um, or if they could try to go like a more, I mean, realistic route, not really realistic, but more. Uh, like just less supernatural route um maybe try to give some background in the family like i guess the rob zombie route um so yeah it'll be interesting to see which uh which path they take there yeah i like i'd honestly like to see kind of a rob zombie kind of thing in the beginning again mm-hmm. um but maybe a little shorter maybe not quite as much emphasis on it and then don't take the same route of like he had a bad childhood do something yeah. different with it for sure because I don't think you can do that now. You know, like no. Rob Zombie's works because they set it up that way. Um, for this one, they they have there has to be a reason why he's just the way he is, why he's evil, why he just kills yeah. because he's built for it. And I feel like they can give him like he always was kind of evil. Uh, mm-hmm. I just really showed that Halloween night. Um, all right, cool. Well, we got our responses for what people are putting in for that. 
The first is I feel like Lori will probably die. I doubt they kill Michael. I feel like the whole point of the series is that Michael can't be killed. The only way I see Michael dying is if they hit him with something they haven't before, like explosives. It would be interesting <laughs> if someone just grenaded Michael. Just like RPG. Yeah. Uh. Um, interesting, yeah, uh, interesting take that it will be Lori instead of Michael. I can see both. I didn't think of... I, I, I personally don't see it. I think they have to kill for sure mm-hmm. Michael, and then I feel like Lori's probably got to go with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> second one, I don't, I don't know if how serious this is, but Lori gets her own mask and channels the energy. Then it becomes like an immortal versus immortal fight, like Jason versus Freddy, where you think <laughs> it ends, but really it's just stalemate. <laughs> play. she gets like an unbleached william shatner mask <laughs> just it's just a william shatner mask yeah it would be perfect uh, uh he better fucking die and people should immediately bash his head and if he's laying on the ground instead of staying there like idiots since they know how hard he is to kill turn his brains to pulp how many times you have to learn this lesson which is true to an extent but i can also see how you can believe someone would be dead how you shot them like six times in the chest and then stabbed them and the shoulder and all, like because as far as they're concerned he is human mm-hmm. so yeah i can i can see how you don't feel the need to blow his brains out uh i think the only one that did was the what was his name walker oh hawkins hawkins I think like you. hawkins was like i'm gonna finish the job yeah like, exactly. i'm still gonna shoot him even though dr certain was like he's dead don't worry about it yeah i i do feel like hawkins was kind of the only one that had that perspective to do so probably Lori as well but via fire mm-hmm. um i think it's possible Lori will die but i'm not really sure where they're going to go with it i think these newer halloween movies were better than some of the old ones but they're still nonsense in my opinion which i can see where you're coming from there that's very fair i i personally really like this idea of michael being strangely more than human but not not necessarily more than human mm. um but yeah i but i see where you're coming from for sure with the nonsense um yeah, and that's why I've been talking about like how for me it's important it doesn't take itself too seriously because it is inherently silly. Yeah. All right, so we have they all get COVID and die. No, probably not. But <laughs> it is entirely out of the question for Michael to eventually or is it entirely out of the question for Michael to eventually just murder the whole world? I mean, he's an unkillable plot device of murder. Also, I just have to add that all of my fear from Halloween kills is from the giant crowd in the hospital. Crowds are horrifying and I hate them, whether or not they're angry mobs. that scene that scene honestly was kind of crazy uh i really i really wanted to see tommy get some kind of like punishment or something i guess he did die but he wasn't he's punished by michael Um, (laughs) michael didn't care but like he he punched some cops out to get to the dude and i was just like that's pretty messed up tommy Mm -hmm. that's like geez um i wanted to see him get some kind of reprimand for that but he kind of just got off the hook but yeah, that that whole scene was honestly pretty emotional with that dude. Even I, that dude was also on that transport truck. Though, so like, was he also on Death Row? Did he do terrible things? Yeah, that's the thing. I was very curious. He, about he that. was he was being transferred. Yeah, just like Michael was. I it, that was also another one of those things where it's like I don't know. This, is, this seems pretty uh, silly and 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 like how the whole town is like bashing down these doors to like get to this guy who's like probably two feet shorter than Michael. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I was like, "Hold on, guys! You really think that's Michael? Like, <laughs> Michael's not balding." <laughs> I think actually Michael was balding. They actually showed. Yeah. That. But, um, so our last one is Michael is going to defy death once again after being shot directly through the brain or something that should be one hundred percent fatal. But he's just going to walk it off as he tends to. I'm predicting he kills Laurie and then Allison kills him. But 
She suffers a fatal wound that ultimately kills her as well. I think the only way to like absolutely without a doubt kill him though would be like cutting off his head. Hmm. I do I do think there's a strong possibility Allison is the one that ends up killing him. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, uh, I don't be surprised either. I feel like she's got to play some kind of crucial role there. So yeah, that's all our responses, Ian. If unless there's anything else you want to say, I think that concludes our Halloween podcast. Yeah. Any, any last thoughts, Ian? Uh, my last thoughts are happy Halloween, everyone. That's not. I was not thinking about that, and I still won't. <laughs> <laughs> happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for joining us for these Halloween movies. They were a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we're excited to keep it up. Have a wonderful day. See you next year. Paths of Fear is going away for uh, until next Halloween. Yeah, we're just waiting until Halloween <laughs> ends now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just on a hiatus for a little bit. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just a short vacation. Yeah, we'll see y'all again next week. Farewell. Farewell.